Hi Church, it's good to be with you today. Isn't God good? It's a, I, I love all this technology. I love the fact that the church is taking over the internet. It's just like every Sunday, this, the waves or whatever it is, the ether, whatever that works out there, it's the church that's, that's taking it over. And we're enlarging the place of our habitation. And uh, we're not giving it back. We're going to keep this. We're going to keep the, the airwaves. We're going to keep the internet. We're going to keep it all because it all belongs to Jesus. But I just want to share a little bit to you from, from the Bible today, from Galatians chapter 4, if you've got a Bible. If not, don't worry, I've got one here. And um, this is what Paul, the Apostle, writes. Galatians is a great book. If you're feeling a bit fed up with life, read Galatians and hear him say it was for freedom of Christ has set you free. But that's not where we're going. We're going to chapter 4 today, in verse 4. And Paul writes and says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. I'm going to be after that little phrase, but when the fullness of, of time had fully come. It's in, and I want to talk about how God's prepared things to get us ready for, for, for such a time as this. Because God is so good at organising things and planning things, we can be confident. But in a time of insecurity, we're a time when, when we don't know anything. The, in fact, the only thing I'm certain of is that, that I can't be certain of anything at the moment. Do you feel like that? It's almost like, am I allowed a group of six? Am I allowed this? Am I allowed... I don't even know all the rules yet. So the only thing I'm certain of is I'm not certain. But I want to tell you there's one in whom we can't be certain. There's one in whom his plans go way beyond us. And the fools of time, God sent forth his son. He's been planning this for a long time. I'll leave you a little illustration. Um, this is put up a man down. I've ever lived in St Albans. We've been in this home for 20 years now. And um, I don't know if you ever, when you bought a house or you moved into a new house, a new situation. I remember when we moved in at first, we said, well, we're going to, we'll change that, we'll change that, we'll need to do that, we'll have to decorate that room, we'll have to, loads of jobs need to do. And, and that, I'm not that great at DIY, but when you're mean, you do it yourself, you know. So I have a go at it anyway, that's, I quite like it. And uh, one of the things we said was our bedroom, we really need to do that. We need to, it needs, it's a bit tired, we need to, Redecorated, new carpet, new, you know, just all, all, all the, the decorated, painting and decorating. And I don't know what happened really. Well, I, I think I do, that the the children's bedrooms were done for, certainly before mine. And, and downstairs needed doing, and, and, the, and the hall stairs and landing needed doing, and outside needed painting, the garden needed doing. And after a while, you know, that bedroom of ours, I didn't look that bad. Hard. I thought, well, we'll, we'll just leave it. Now, and then, so after about 19 years, uh, we thought we should really do that. Now, we, we, it's only us in the house, and this is the only room we've not done properly, so let's do it. But for lots of reasons, we thought, you know, we'll get our painter decorator in to do it. And because uh, it'll be quicker, you know, and he'll do it no problem. And I didn't realize how much work it is just clearing a room for a, a new carpet to come in and, and a decorator to come in. But nevertheless, we got this decorator come in, and I knew I knew it'd be quicker because one time when I was decorating one of the downstairs rooms, one of the guys in the church came, who is a painter decorator, and I was you know painting the roof of that, paint, and and uh, he came and said, "Oh, do you want me to put a quick coat on for you?" I bet me didn't because I wanted to do it myself, but then I said, "Yeah, yeah, fine," and he went <laughs> two or three minutes, which does nothing for your self confidence. I've got to tell you, I'm very grateful. Nothing for your self confidence. So well, thank you very much. That's great. And then I went back and spent hours finishing it off myself. But but I 
thought, so we'll get a professional to do it. My idea of a professional was someone who did a better job faster than me. So I went to a professional and he said how much it was going to cost. And then he said how long it was going to take. I thought, that's a long time. I said, well, it's a fixed price, you know, we're not, it's not per day. He said, no, it's a fixed price for the job. I thought, okay, so it's a few days, that's fine. And when he came in, I noticed to see, he took forever. He took forever, seeing all the paint off paint off and rubbing it down, rubbing all the paper off, he's getting everything and and then there'd be a little dent in the in the wall and he'd fill it with something and he let it dry and then they'd rub it down and he'd go all over and then two or two or three days just going around this room, filling and and, and 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 rubbing down and getting it perfect. And then I thought if that was me, yeah but I'd be finished by now. And then something hit me really a professional to do a really, really good job. Preparation is extremely important. Preparation is what decides what the finished article is going to look like. And he spent a lot more time preparing than I ever thought was necessary or possible, or I would, I would find the time to do it. And I will tell you, God is the ultimate professional when it comes to looking after you and me. He has spent so much time preparing all of history, all the events that surround you, you and me and his church. He spent all that time around because he is the consummate professional. He knows the beginning from the end. And he has been planning things for your life. You don't have to be worried. He has not been caught unawares about what's happening. He, he has been planning these things forever. I'll give you a couple of examples. The big example we'll talk about, the main thing we're going to talk about is is how, how God prepared for the gospel to come and to be effective all across the world. He, he, he planned that. He always wanted to come. And there's, there's three. We'll talk about the Roman preparation, the Greek preparation and, and the Jewish preparation because all those different groupings had a, an impact on how the world was ready to receive the gospel. Obviously, we know Jesus was born at a time of the Roman Empire when uh, the Romans had conquered the known world. They were like the superpower of the time. They were the, the only big superpower of the time. They'd conquered the Greeks and they were right across all the Mediterranean, but way across, they came as far as Britain. They never conquered the Scots, but believe that for the moment. But, so they, but they came over here. And so they were, they were massive and they brought order to the world. And for the first time, there's something which was called the Pax Romana in Latin, which means the Roman peace, the peace of Rome. But, but Rome came and they conquer a country and they say, right, they're going to let you run yourselves, but you've got to do what you're told. You've got to stay at peace. You're not allowed to fight anybody else. You can't go and fight your neighbours because we've we've just defeated them too. And they're under our rule, they're under our protection. They can't fight you because you're under our rule, you're under our protection. But it was an amazing thing because right across all huge part of the earth, Peace broke out and people stopped fighting one another. And, and the gospel came into, uh, into the middle of that, sort of the, the starts of the Roman Empire, where peace was there and God prepared it. And, and, and I don't know how many millions of stories could be told about how Rome ended up running the world for that time. And, and things that they did, for example, not only did they establish peace, they, they put a communications network in place. 
And you know, we even have the expression of Roman Road today in, in St Albans where we are. There's um, the Watling Street, which is a big long straight road goes all the way up, up the middle of the country. And that's when they're but it's straight. It's just, I mean, it's straighter than an average English lane. It's not straight, it wiggles around all over the place. But the Romans, they built straight roads. And, and it meant you could march from one city to another. You march from one nation into another. It meant that people could, you could travel. You could travel safely. You could have inns at the side of the things. The whole world suddenly became accessible. That must have been a dramatic change to the world. And, but, but, and people say that was good to the Romans. But actually, God did that. He thought, I'm going to need somehow to get the gospel across the world. So he did that. You let the Romans be in charge. Let them do all the hard work so the gospel would prosper. They cleared the sea of pirates on the Mediterraneans where, where, where uh, Paul was shipwrecked. Well, it used to be full of pirates, but when the Romans took over, all the pirates disappeared. So they, they brought peace, not just to the land, but to the sea as well. And they brought a rule of law, which made uh, it was safe to walk the streets. It was safe, you, you weren't afraid to go out and to do things. So God was really preparing for the gospel to come to the world to be able to be received. And so it could prosper and, and move around all the known world. And so he used the Romans to do that. But before that, he, he, he'd used the Greeks. And the, the Greek Empire was massive and it's all different people. But it was at its largest under Alexander the Great. You've heard of, you may have heard of Alexander the Great. And uh, he was a great warrior. But he's also a bit of a scholar. He, he built cities. He built bridges. As did the Romans. The Romans built lots of bridges. But but he, he loved the culture. He was quite a cultural man. The story is told that when he was 33, he came to the edge of his empire and didn't see anything worth conquering. And he cried at 33. And he died after that. He died in 33. He made that huge impact on the world at roughly the same age as Jesus. And, uh, but, but Jesus came not by, he conquered with love, not a sword. But the Greek Empire changed the world. And one of the things it did, perhaps more than anything, was he, they brought the, the language of Greece. And so the, the, the Greek language, I'm not an expert in languages, but some languages are better at speaking about emotions. And some, you know, like they say that Eskimos got, I mean, dozens of, of, of words for snow. And, but, so, and so, some languages have lots of words about love. But the Greek language was very rich, the language of the day. It's not the Greek that we speak now. But um, people like Plato and Aristotle and, and, and Socrates, they were able to use the Greek language because it was great literary language that could talk about deep, complex thought. And that language became more, not the, the, the language of the scholar, but the one that the guy in the street would speak. It was called Koine Greek or just common Greek. Everybody began to speak that. Everybody spoke that. Everybody you met spoke that. And right across the uh, the Greek Empire, uh, people spoke Koine Greek. Right in up until and including and surpassing the time of the Romans, the, the language most spoken in the Roman Empire was not Latin, which was which came from Rome. It was Greek, and so God prepared the whole world to be governed by the Romans, but to have the Greek language available to be able to speak. It's a bit like we're very fortunate being English as our first language because most countries we travel into, you, know, you, you just speak English and somebody speaks English a little bit. Even in poor countries, I am amazed and 
I'm not, I'm not a little humbled to, to see how many people speak English as a second language. And Greek would have been like that. It lent itself, apparently, to being a second language spoken by people. They might not be able to write it, but it was easy to pick it up to speech. And so the gospel came into a, a field that God had prepared for, for the gospel, where, where, where there's the peace of Rome, where the, the, there's the language of, of Greece. Well, some people say that um, Rome conquered Greece, but Greek culture conquered Rome. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, how they thought. It gave them a logical way of thinking. It gave them a language which could express that. And also, a couple of hundred years before Jesus, it gave them the um, the Old Testament written down in Greek. We call it Septuagint. Sometimes you might notice in your Bible, in the margin, LXX, and a different meaning of a word. LXX just means the 17 Roman num numerals. It's called the Septuagint. And that, and that is in Greek. And when Paul and the others went around and they preached the gospel to uh, Jewish believers around the Roman Empire, it was Koine Greek that they used. So God prepared a translation so they could all almost have uh, the Bible in the language they understood. They could have the Word of God in the language they understood. And they could hear the preacher speak. And then they have a common language, many of them speaking a second language. Can you see how clever God is, how, how much he, he plans it? But if you think the Roman and Greek preparations are amazing, then you know, you know how he prepared the Jewish people, the people of the children of Israel, to bring the gospel to them from the very beginning. Because Israel, there they are when Jesus comes. They are the main monotheistic nation in the world. People who believe there's only one God. Lots of people believed in different gods. They might only worship one, but they knew there were others. They thought there were others. But his favourite verse of the Jewish boy, boy would be, Hero is of the Lord thy God is one. And there's only one God. And they know that. And so the gospel is ready to hear about the one almighty creator. But God had spoken to that, that people. And he said things to him like, like in, in Genesis 3, uh, 14, right? Remember the beginning when, when man fell and God spoke to him and yet he said to the serpent, you know, uh, there's a, a redeemer coming and, and he, you shall bruise his heel and he shall, he shall stamp on your head. And right from the beginning, right way back in, in Genesis, there's a promise of a deliverer. And there's something like, I'm told, 351 prophecies in the Old Testament, but God is preparing Israel to do the Messiah is coming. Now, I didn't count them myself, I must confess, and I probably did, but you do. <clears throat> and I googled it. Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. It came up with 351. And I guess there's this, there's, depends how you count how many that there are, but I'll, I'll make them available to pastor. They can pass it on to you, but where they are. But it's amazing to see all the prophecies about Jesus. And some, some of them are like uh, in. Uh, in Genesis, it talks when Abraham is speaking and says to Isaac, says, God will provide a lamb. And, and Jesus is talked about the lamb of God. And, and, and John the Baptist goes, behold, the lamb of God. And, and, and so the first book in the Bible is talking about Jesus coming and be a lamb slain for the sins of the world. And God is preparing the people to think about that. And there's lots to you could go through of, of, of how um, Isaiah talks about he'll be born of a virgin and, 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 and how 
Micah says they'd be born in Bethlehem. Now that's an interesting little one because you and I both know that Mary and Joseph didn't come from Bethlehem. They came from Nazareth. And in those days, you didn't travel. You didn't go on your, your holidays to Jerusalem or, or, or Bethlehem. And you might go to the temple in Jerusalem, but you wouldn't go your, your holidays to Bethlehem. You just didn't move around on that. But God has said Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. So what happened? Well, God said it, so it has to happen. So next thing you know, some pagan emperor is issuing a decree that everybody has to go back to the city where, of, of their fathers, where they're where they come from and register. Now guess where Mary's and Joseph's, because it's important because if, if Mary had to go one way and Joseph had to go another way, because they're not married yet, if they had to go, that would have been difficult, but they're both registered in Bethlehem and so they go to Bethlehem. But don't forget, the whole world had to go to where they, they went and hundreds of thousands of people must have moved around to, to go back and register to, in their family city because God's word never returns to him void and I want to tell you if God has promised something to you it will happen that's why we have to weigh prophecy because people who say things because they they love you and you want you they want you to have something but we can't just receive that that's a nice thought it's not a prophetic word but if God has prophesied something you've weighed it and you've heard it can I just say to you don't be afraid even if everyone has to start moving around move half the world around to be in a different place just so his word will come true he'll do that he will do that and that's what he did his word is always right but i want to tell you that actually began even before genesis because we've talked about how the romans prepared how the greeks prepared and how the, the jews were prepared but you know what it says in the last book of the Bible, in, 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 um, in Revelation 13, it says that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the lamb. In other words, God decided before the world was created, it was ready in his plan that Jesus would have to die on a cross. Put it another way. The father knew that if, if Adam drew his first breath on the earth, Jesus would draw his last breath on the cross. The cross was not an emergency rescue. It wasn't, oh dear, Adam and Eve have sinned, we're going to have to do something. It was before Adam breathed his first breath, God loved us so much, he said, my love is intentional and purposeful. His destiny for you and for me is intentional and purposeful. And he knows, he knew that if Adam was allowed to breathe his first breath, Jesus would die his final breath on a cross for you and me. And he still did it. He still did it. That's why, that's why you can have a confidence in a God who loves. Isn't that amazing to have a God who loves you and me like that? Because let me finish off a little scripture out of Ephesians 1, verse 4 for you. It says this, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. It wasn't just that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But the Father chose you. He chose me. He chose you before the foundation of the world that you would be his child, that his son would die for you. Now, if you've never come to a point in your life of realising how much God loves you, let me just tell you 
before, the Bible says when you're still in your mother's womb, he loved you. Even before you breathe your first breath, Jesus paid his last breath for you. That's the love of God. And for the rest of us, I say to you, let's not be afraid. Let's realise that God is still on the throne. Let's realise that he who could take centuries and millennia to bring about the right conditions for Jesus to be born has also been taking those centuries and millennia to make sure his will is done on earth and that his, his children are protected by his love. So don't be afraid, but be blessed, be encouraged, know that the Lord is with you wherever you go. God bless you.